Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Vaed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Just a quick note of explanation before we begin our reading for today. Today, we begin the new Torah reading cycle for the year, starting in Genesis 1.1. This Torah portion is called Breshit, and it means in the beginning. It is hard to believe that we began this journey one year ago at Daily Audio Torah. If you have been with us from the beginning, we have now read through the entire Bible in one year, and we start a new one-year reading cycle today. I hope and pray that you will stay with us and listen daily as we begin this new one-year reading cycle. Listening is now easy for you when you are on the go, as you can now set up a phone app on your desktop of your phone and listen in with one click. Just go to dailyaudiotour.com and click on the Get the Phone App pick on the menu. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation, and today we continue the Torah portion reading for Brace Sheet. Genesis 1-1-2-19 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. 
Then God said, Let the lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God let these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth was, and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The Man and Woman in Eden This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the earth. He breathed 
the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it to four branches. The first branch, called Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Assyria. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Jeremiah 42, 1-44-23 Warning to Stay in Judah then all the guerrilla leaders, including Johanan son of Korea and Jezaniah son of Hoshea, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet. They said, Please pray to the Lord your God for us. As you can see, we are only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before. Pray that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. All right, Jeremiah replied, I will pray to the Lord your God as you have asked and I will tell you everything he says. I will hide nothing from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. Ten days later, the Lord gave his reply to Jeremiah. So he called for Yohanan, son of Korea, and the other guerrilla leaders, and for all the people from the least to the greatest. He said to them, You sent me to the Lord, the God of Israel, with your request, and this is his reply. Stay here in this land. If you do, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I am sorry about all the punishment I have had to bring upon you. Do not fear the king of Babylon any more, says the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. I will be merciful to you by making him kind, so he will let you stay here in your land. But if you refuse to obey the Lord your God, and if you say, We will not stay here, instead we will go to Egypt, where we will be free from war, the call to arms and hunger. Then hear the Lord's message to the remnant of Judah. 
This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, the God of Israel, says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and live there, the very war and famine you fear will catch up to you and you will die there. That is the fate awaiting every one of you who insists on going to live in Egypt. Yes, you will die from war, famine, and disease. None of you will escape the disaster I will bring upon you there. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Just as my anger and fury have been poured out on the people of Jerusalem, so they will be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. You will be an object of damnation, horror, cursing, and mockery, and you will never see your homeland again. Listen, you remnant of Judah. The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Don't forget this warning I have given you today. For you were not being honest when you sent me to pray to the Lord your God for you. You said, just tell us what the Lord our God says and we will do it. And today I have told you exactly what he said. But you will not obey the Lord your God any better now than you have in the past. So you can be sure that you will die from war, famine, and disease in Egypt where you insist on going. Jeremiah Taken to Egypt When Jeremiah had finished giving this message from the Lord their God to all the people, Azariah son of Hoshiah and Johanan son of Kareah and all the other proud men said to Jeremiah, You lie! The Lord our God has not forbidden us to go to Egypt. Baruch, son of Neriah, has convinced you to say this because he wants us to stay here and be killed by the Babylonians or be carried off into exile. So Johanan and the other guerrilla leaders and all the people refused to obey the Lord's command to stay in Judah. Johanan and the other leaders took with them all the people who had returned from the nearby countries to which they had fled. In the crowd were men, women, and children, the king's daughters, and all those whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah. The prophet Jeremiah and Baruch were also included. The people refused to obey the voice of the Lord and went to Egypt, going as far as the city of Tapanhes. Then at Tapanes, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, While the people of Judah are watching, take some large rocks and bury them under the pavement stones at the entrance of Pharaoh's palace here in Tapanhes. Then say to the people of Judah, This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I will certainly bring my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, here to Egypt. I will set his throne over these stones that I have hidden. He will spread his royal canopy over them. And when he comes, he will destroy the land of Egypt. He will bring death to those destined for death, captivity to those destined for captivity, and war to those destined for war. He will set fire to the temples of Egypt's gods. He will burn the temples and carry the idols away as plunder. He will pick clean the land of Egypt as a shepherd picks fleas from his cloak, and he himself will leave unharmed. He will break down the sacred pillars standing in the temple of the sun in Egypt, and he will burn down the temples of Egypt's gods. Judgment for Idolatry 
This is the message Jeremiah received concerning the Judeans living in northern Egypt in the cities of Migdal, Tapanese, and Memphis, and in southern Egypt as well. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You saw the calamity I brought on Jerusalem and all the towns of Judah. They now lie deserted and in ruins. They provoked my anger with all their wickedness. They burned incense and they worshipped other gods, gods that neither they nor you nor any of your ancestors had ever known. Again and again I sent my servants, the prophets, to plead with them. Don't do these horrible things that I hate so much. But my people would not listen or turn back from their wicked ways. They kept on burning incense to these gods. And so my fury boiled over and fell like fire on the towns of Judah and into the streets of Jerusalem, and they are still a desolate ruin today. And now the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, asks you, Why are you destroying yourselves? For not one of you will survive, not a man, woman, or child among you who has come here from Judah, not even the babies in your arms. Why provoke my anger by burning incense to the idols you have made here in Egypt? You will only destroy yourselves and make yourselves an object of cursing and mockery for all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the sins of your ancestors, the sins of the kings and queens of Judah, and the sins you and your wives committed in Judah and Jerusalem? To this very hour you have shown no remorse or reverence. No one has chosen to follow my word and the decrees I gave to you and your ancestors before you. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I am determined to destroy every one of you. I will take this remnant of Judah, those who were determined to come here and live in Egypt, and I will consume them. They will fall here in Egypt, killed by war and famine. All will die from the least to the greatest. They will be an object of damnation, horror, cursing, and mockery. I will punish them in Egypt just as I punished them in Jerusalem by war, famine, and disease. Of that remnant who fled to Egypt hoping someday to return to Judah, there will be no survivors. Even though they long to return home, only a handful will do so. Then all the women present and all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to idols, a great crowd of all the Judeans living in northern Egypt and southern Egypt, answered Jeremiah, We will not listen to your messages from the Lord. We will do whatever we want. We will burn incense and pour out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven just as much as we like, just as we and our ancestors and our kings and officials have always done in the towns of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem. For in those days we had plenty to eat, and we were well off and had no troubles. But ever since we quit burning incense to the Queen of Heaven, and stopped worshipping her with liquid offerings, we have been in great trouble and have been dying from war and famine. Besides, the women added, Do you suppose that we were burning incense and pouring out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven and making cakes marked with her image without our husbands knowing it and helping us? Of course not. Then Jeremiah said to all of them, men and women alike, who had given him that answer, 
Do you think that the Lord did not know that you and your ancestors, your kings and officials, and all the people were burning incense to idols in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? It was because the Lord could no longer bear all the disgusting things you were doing that he made your land an object of cursing, a desolate ruin without inhabitants, as it is today. All these terrible things happened to you because you have burned incense to idols and sinned against the Lord. You have refused to obey him and have not followed his instructions, his decrees, and his laws. 2 Timothy 2, 1-21 Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Yeshua. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Yeshua. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Yeshua, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Yeshua to those that God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm, like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Psalm 92, 1-93, 5 It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High, 
It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by the ten-stringed harp and the melody of the lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts! Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, The Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. But your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakings on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. Proverbs 26, 3-5 Guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion in Breshit from Genesis, the Book of Beginnings. And there's a lot that we could pull from the reading from today, but I'm just going to do a little bit. On Gen- in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, On the seventh day God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So a pattern has been set in place. And the pattern is that God worked as the creator for six days and and made incredibly beautiful creation. Birds and animals and trees and forests and rivers and mountains and continents and oceans and stars and planets and all of the things of creation that we see that is so amazing and intricate and beautiful. But on the seventh day he rested. Now, was he tired? Did he need to rest? No, he's God. But he set a pattern for us to follow. He called the seventh day a day of rest. And in 
the biblical calendar, a day begins at sunset. And then it goes through the night and all the next day until the next sunset. That is a biblical calendar day. So this precedent that was set is the beginning of the Sabbath, that God himself kept the Sabbath. He put up his feet and he rested. And so we are to follow in his example and in his footsteps and rest on the seventh day. And the seventh day in a week is from Friday night sundown until Saturday night sundown. And that cycle has been going on since the beginning of time. Continuing on, um, I want to also mention that God is the creator in these two chapters and he's creating animals and plants and mountains and all of these things. And I want to expand upon that concept from Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 to 16. Who is this creator? Who is God the creator? Colossians 1 13 to 16 tells us more about who this creator is. Colossians 1 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, that is Yeshua, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is a reference to Yeshua. And now it tells us more about who this Yeshua is. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? So God the Father is invisible. No one has ever seen his face. He is bathed and clothed in brilliant, bright light. But Yeshua is an image of the invisible God. If you could take a picture of God, the picture that you would see is Yeshua of God the Father. So verse 16, for by him, that is Yeshua, were all things created that in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. Verse 18, and he, that is Yeshua, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So here's the picture. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and they are one. Yahweh, Yeshua, they are one. The Father and the Son, they are one. Yahweh is Yeshua, that every knee shall bow and every tongue can will confess we've sung the song that Jesus Christ is Lord but really that's veiling the real truth that Yeshua is Yahweh whenever you see the word Lord in your King James Bible in all caps actually in Hebrew if you were reading that in Hebrew that word Lord translated Lord is Yotevave it is Yahweh so here's the picture God the Father is the one who has the vision for something, the plan for something. And then he says to his son, now go do it. Go execute, go implement, go do it. And Yeshua, because he's a good son, he's absolutely and perfectly obedient to the Father and his will. 
He's obedient to the tasks that the father gives to him. So he does it. He executes. So the father may have had the vision for the continents and the beautiful mountains and the waterfalls and all of the beauty. And Yeshua implemented. He executed. He did it. Um, Yeshua is the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that's from John chapter one. Later on in that same chapter, it says, and the word came and dwelt among us. So who or what is the word? Yeshua is the word. He's the word who was made flesh. He's the Torah who was made flesh. So the word equals or is Yeshua. So when God said, let there be light, that's Yeshua. He is the word. And when he spoke, it came to pass. All he had to do was say it, speak it, and it happened to to be created through words. Continuing on in Genesis chapter two, verse nine, we have The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we have two trees in the middle of the garden. The tree of life, what's that? I believe the tree of life is a representation of the Torah. And why do I say that? Because in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 It says, my son, forget not my Torah, but let your heart keep my commandments. So then the whole rest of the chapter is all about the Torah, the word of God. And in verse 18, that's the subject, the Torah, the word of God. Verse 18, she, that is the Torah, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retains her. So the Torah is referred to as a tree of life. And recall, remember that in Revelation, I think it's in chapter 20 or 21, there is a tree of life and the leaves bring healing to the nations. And there's 12 different fruits, one for each month of the year. And again, that tree of life, I believe, is the same tree of life that was found in the Garden of Eden. It is a representation of the Torah. The leaves of the Torah bring healing to the nations. Now, there's this other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's so bad about the tree of the knowledge? Isn't it good to know good and evil? No, it's very bad because why? It is mixture. Knowledge of good. Yes, we want that. But knowledge of evil, that's mixture. It's a mixed tree with mixed fruit. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is written, verse 16, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So what was wrong or what was bad about this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It represents mixture, and that's the heart and the essence of Babylon. Babylon is mixture. It's mixing good and evil together. So it's like, you know, a chocolate cake. Here, have a piece of chocolate cake. But little do you know that inside there's a little tiny capsule of rat poison. 
and you don't know if the next bite that you're going to take of that chocolate cake has the rat poison capsule in it. So mixture is what God hates, and that's what Babylon is, is mixture. It's confusion. It dulls the senses, and you lose a sense of your discernment of what is right and wrong, of what is good and evil, because now they're mixed up. It's like there's hot water and cold water, but with Babylon, with mixture, you pour the two together and you get lukewarm. And remember, in Revelation, uh, you're neither hot nor cold he said to one of the churches, but you are lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Okay, we're going to close there. And please come back tomorrow. Have a blessed day. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.